This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Tonight, uh, I felt like God said to preach on preparation is the key. Preparation is the key. It's the key. Now, what's the theme of the conference? Speak out, step out. But before you can speak out, step out, you have to be prepared. Preparation is the key. So here's what God said to me. He said, preparing in the peaceful times so that you can speak out or step out when God calls you. But the preparation is in the time of peace. I heard a story one time about a young man. Uh, he applied for a job as a farmhand. And uh, when the farmer asked him for his qualifications, he said, uh, I can't sleep. He says, I can sleep when the wind blows. I can sleep when the wind blows. And, I, and, and, and the, the farmer was kind of puzzled, and he kind of, but he liked the young guy, and so he, he hired him. He, he thought, that's a strange answer. That's the strangest answer I ever heard. I can sleep when the wind blows. Anyway, a few days later, the farmer and his wife were awakened by a terrible storm in the night, a violent, violent storm. And uh, they quickly began running around the house and around the farm, beginning to check things out to see if everything was secure. And they found that the shutters of the farmhouse had been securely fastened. There was a good supply of logs that had been set next to the fireplace. And the young man slept soundly. The farmer and his wife then inspected their property. They found that the farm tools had been placed in the storage shed, safe from the elements. The tractor had been moved into the garage. The barn was properly locked. Even the animals were calm. All was well. The farmer then understood the meaning of the young man's words. I can sleep when the wind blows. Because the farm had, had done his work loyally and faithfully when the skies were clear, he was prepared when the storm broke. So when the wind blew, he wasn't afraid. He could sleep in peace. Here's the amazing thing. There was nothing really dramatic or sensational in the young farmhand's preparations. He just faithfully did what he needed to do each day. Each day. You know, during your walk with God, in fact, before your walk with God, to be honest with you, since the day you were born, and more importantly, since the day you were born again, God has been working in you. God has been working for you. There's some maybe here tonight, you've never really had a walk with God. You may have had religion. You know, I grew up and I was a very religious person. I grew up in a church and I went and served in that church as a young boy and there were duties that we could carry out as a young boy and I'd go every single morning at 6 a.m. and I would and I and I love church and I love God then being the eldest son in a family of eight I was selected to become the religious leader of the family that was kind of the tradition of that religion and uh, so I was selected. So I got the best education, and I learned everything there was to know about that religion and about God from their perspective. 
The only problem was that I knew all about God. I just didn't know God. See, I'd never met Jesus. And it's not what you know about God. It's knowing him that counts. And so tonight, some of you are on a journey, and you, you don't know it yet, or you may, but God's working with you. He's leading you. And wherever you're at on your journey, God is there to meet you, and he's there to guide you, and he's preparing you. In fact, Philippians 2, verses 12, the second half of verse 12 and verse 13 says this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's kind of scary. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But then it goes on to say this, for it is God which is working in you, or which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I want you to know God's working in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. When you give your life to Jesus, God's working in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. This last week, let me tell you something. God did things in you, and God did things through you. During action, I want you to prepare yourself because God is speaking. And God wants to prepare you for the things that are in your future, the things that lay ahead of you. God has something in store for your life. You know, God doesn't do a work of preparation in your life. He doesn't perform some preparation, an inworking inside of you, an inworking in your spirit. He doesn't do that just to have you sit on the sidelines. I'm always shocked at how many Christians I meet, and they're Christian in name only. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. No, 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 no. God's working in you so that you can be prepared to do something with your life. That's what we're talking about, unlocking destiny, celebrating legacy. God wants to unlock your destiny this week. God's interested in you. He's interested in your destiny. He has a purpose for you. But you know what? It takes preparation. So open your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel 17. You all know this story. It's one of my favorite stories. But as I was reading it, God began to just minister to me. 1 Samuel 17, verses 32 through 40. And it says, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail him because of him. Fail because of him. Thy servant will go out and fight this Philistine. This is young David. He's gone to the front lines of the battle. He's gone as a 15-year-old boy with a few loaves of bread and some cheese and some milk that his daddy sent him to give to his brothers who were warriors, valiant warriors. He had seven brothers and the king. And so this little boy has gone up to the battlefield where the Israelites have been at a standoff against the Philistines for 40 days. Hmm goes on to say this. Thy servant will go out and fight this Philistine. You know the story, how he got to this point. He, he watched the Israelites go out and they get in their battle array. And this is the 39th time or this is the 40th time that they'd done this. Get all dressed for war. They line up and the Philistines line up. And then out of the ranks of the Philistines steps a giant named Goliath, and he gives the speech for the 40th time. Send me your champion. If I slay him, 
Israel becomes our slaves. If he slays me, the Philistines will be slaves of the Israelites. But let me tell you what I'm going to do to this man when he steps out in to fight me. I'm going to pluck his eyes out. And he, and he, gets, and he tells this story. And I can just see it. I mean, he's a big, he's a monster. And at the end he goes, <laughs> and it says, and all of Israel runs. Now you got to know, that it's, the Bible says that this happened 40 times in a row. 40, 40 times. So David only gets there for the 40th time. Two times a day they go out. Twice a day for 20 days this guy's been giving the same speech. I'll bet he got better as he went, you know. <laughs> he, he'd tell the guys, he'd say, watch this time. When I do that <laughs> thing, I'm going to shake my spear this time. Yeah. Watch how they run this time. <laughs> and David runs with them. He gets back in the camp. He says, hey, he, he says, hey guys, what just happened there? <laughs> what, what's going on? And they start talking. And he he said, but who's this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who, 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 I mean, what, what, what's going on? And his brothers say to him, what are you talking about? Just shut up, kid. He says, where are those few, I can just hear, few small sheep that you take care of? Go back to your sheep. You know how brothers are, you know? Older brothers, 15-year-old kids have no business up here in a man's business, in a man's world. But David, David, something in him. And Saul said to David, now listen, Saul says, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you're but a youth. And he's a man of war from his youth. David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and I smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and I smote him and I slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he'll deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass on his head. So he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword, Saul's sword, upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said to Saul, I can't go out with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off. And he took his staff in his hand, and he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. And he put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. You know, one of my mentors told me this. He said, if you want to be spontaneous, he says, it requires more preparation. 
How many of you have ever heard a really good comedian? Somebody really funny. See, if they're really funny, they're not slinging. They're not just making it up as they go. They have worked on that. They have prepared. They have prepared. They've prepared timing. They've prepared every look that they give. They've prepared everything to the right split second to touch you, to make you laugh. And you think, and they, then the professional makes you think he's just made it up as he went. But nothing in a comedian's act is spontaneous. Occasionally, he'll be spontaneous. But even his response to the crowd has been practiced and practiced. He's prepared. See, when you're prepared spiritually, when you're prepared naturally, when you're prepared emotionally, when you're prepared physically, you won't listen to discouragement. What's the rule about being high in emotion? The higher the emotion, the lower the clarity of thought. See, the enemy wants to catch you when you're unprepared. That's when you make mistakes. That's when you do foolish things. But for the prepared, he doesn't fear the enemy. It's one thing, however, to be discouraged by the enemy. And our enemies are there to discourage us. I know that many of you have not yet learned how to prepare yourself. By now, you should have for the conditions we face in our country. But you know what's coming. We've done this before. We've done it before. I don't know why you're shocked. Some of you, oh, oh. The rate is running. Really? And you're shocked? Oh, they lied to us. Really? And you're shocked? Did you see the headlines? Do you believe that? <laughs> guys, 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 guys. God has given us a much more sure word than the newspapers, than the politicians. God is on your side. God will lead you. God will prosper you even in the crazy times. God will bless you. God will guide you. God will direct you. But you have to prepare. You have to hear what God's saying. Gee, we're under a constant barrage of our enemies. I mean, guys, I don't know why you have DSTV, to be honest with you. There is nothing on there to watch. Oh, maybe sports. I don't know. Maybe some of you are still into sports. That's not rigged, is it? There's so much money involved, guys. Anyway, I'm not going to ruin your day. If you, if, if you just think that's all real and it all, well, God bless you. Enjoy it. Yes. See, I have to tell you something, folks. We have, we have to come to understand that we live in a spiritual world. And it's arrayed with enemies. And the enemies are there to discourage you. Ah, 
this is amazing. I, I thought my computer just died on me. That would have been fun. But they're here, they're, they're here to discourage us. But it's an entirely different thing for you and I to be discouraged, not just by our enemies, but those in our own camp that discourage us. And I think we have to be careful in these times because, you know, we can become so, uh, we can become so overwhelmed by what's going on in the world that we can become a source of discouragement to those around us. Here's David, this young boy. He's going up to the camp, and the first people he encounters is his brothers. After he's opened his mouth, spoke something. He spoke out. He began to speak out. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And his brother says, shut up. Who, do you, who are you? Who do you think you are? Jesus faced the same thing. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Who does he think he is preaching in the synagogue? We know this young boy. This is Joseph's boy, Mary's little boy. See, and I tell you what, it's amazing if you let somebody build your world, they'll always build it too small. If you let somebody define you, they're going to define you wrong. And I tell you, you better let God define you because I can't let you define me. Just tap your neighbor and say, I think his preaching is better than your amening tonight. But see, not only does his David, not only does David's brothers di- kind of discourage him, but then the king, they bring him in front of the king, and they say, here's the boaster. Here's the guy that said he'll, de-, and, and the king says, you're just a lad. He says, you're a little boy. Who, who, what makes, this guy's been a warrior from his youth, and what makes you think you can beat him? Now, I'll tell you, when you're 15 years old and you're standing in front of the king, Oh, I know, I know, I know how you guys are. You say, I could do that. Yeah, I've watched you in front of Robert Mugabe when he'd come into a room. (laughs) Never said a word. No. And behind the scenes, I'd give him a word or two. A minister shows up. Now listen, I think we should respect the office, but it's getting harder and harder to respect their decisions. It's hard when the king discourages you. It's hard when the minister discourages you. It's hard when things get discouraging. You don't know anything. Yes, but neither do you. It's simple. It's simple. It works? It doesn't work. I just know it's simple. 
<laughs> Don't let people discourage you. Don't let them discourage you because of your age. I'm going to tell you something. There's a bunch of young people in this church. There's a bunch of young people in this church. Come on. Don't get discouraged because of your age. Let no man despise your youth. This is your generation. It's, it's your time. Come on, it's your time. Don't let your brothers discourage you, especially your older brothers. You're my junior. Yeah, and my seniors don't know what they're doing sometimes. Now, listen, I'll tell you what. You have a lot of good senior men in this church because they've broken out the most. Follow some of them. Some of these men have paid a great price. But let me tell you something. Just because they're your senior doesn't mean necessarily that they're wiser. God doesn't look at your age. He looks at your willingness to submit and obey Him. The human spirit doesn't age the same way that the human body does. Your spirit can grow faster than your flesh. In fact, in the kingdom, maturity does not come with age. Just because you've been in the church, or someone, one lady says, I've been in the way for 80 years. Now get out of the way. Just because you've been in the church for 40 years doesn't mean that you matured. I had an elder one time. Every time I'd open my mouth, he said, in my 39 years of experience, in my, eventually he'd been with me for a year, he says, in my 40 years of experience, now please, I don't want to be that guy. I'm 40 years in the ministry, and in my 40 years of experience, I learned this. I don't know anything. God's big and I'm little. And he's teaching me something every day. But let me tell you something. This guy would say this every meeting. And I heard God speak to me one time. He says, this man doesn't have 40 years of experience. He has 39 years of experience. He has one year of experience. He did the 39 years, the same thing after that. Guys, you, you know, you can get stuck. Maturity comes with the acceptance of responsibility, not how old you are. That's how come a young person can rise up through the ranks because they took responsibility and an old person is still afraid. All right. Tap your neighbor. Say, I think he's talking to you. So King Saul, his brothers, got down on David. But David took responsibility. So here's what I want you to understand. We have to prepare in the times of peace. David tells Saul of the times that he pastured, that he was pastoring, that he took sheep to pasture. He was, he, he was in the pasture attending to the sheep. And he says, it was peaceful. He's how I would sing. I, he says, but there came a day when there was a lion and a bear. Even in the times of peace, sometimes things happen. In the times of peace. And God can test you in your peaceful pastures. I do a teaching in Bible school, and I, I've taught it many times in the church, 21 tests of leadership. 21 things God will test you on to help mature you, to help grow you. But God wants you to be prepared. Every situation you find yourself in in your life is a test, or it can act as a test. A friend of mine questioned, 
whether it was a test was, came from the devil or if it came from God. I love his answer. He quoted Romans 8.28. He says, And we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So the way he interpreted it was this. He says, Whatever comes into my life is either sent by God or used by God. I'll tell you what, I just love taking the devil out. In fact, I sometimes like to take God out of the equation. Whatever comes to my life, I know I'll be strengthened by it. And I don't, God, I don't know. I don't, want to, I don't want to blame you for it, and I don't want to blame the devil for it. I just know this, that whatever happens, you're with me. You're with me, and I can be an overcomer. Folks, I want you to know something. God, God, God will let you have things happen in your life to prepare you for your destiny, for your future. You never know when you're going to be moved from a time of peace into a time of war. See, King David, or not King David, young David went up to take food to his brothers, and his brothers and to the king. He didn't go up to fight. He was a 15-year-old boy. He was a peacetime guy. He was, he was taking care of sheep. All of a sudden, he moved from a time of peace to a time of war. God shifted it immediately. And I want you to understand something. All of the religious experiences in the world... All of the things that happen in your life, religiously, will not sustain you. Running from prophet to prophet is not going to sustain you. Anointing to anointing. Empty hands on empty heads. <laughs> Buying all of the holy oil and holy water and holy dirt and eating snakes and, 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 and eating grass and rolling in the dirt and, and the, all those experiences are just that. But those things will not sustain you. Listen to this. 1 John 1. Verses 1 through 3 in the Amplified Bible says, I'm writing about what existed from the beginning. What we have heard, what we have seen with our own eyes, what we have looked at, what we have touched with our own hands concerning the word of life. The one who existed even before the beginning of the world. That is Christ. And the life, an aspect of his being was manifested and we have seen as eyewitnesses. And we testify and we declare to you the life. The eternal life who was already existing with the Father and was actually made visible to us, his followers. What we have seen and heard, we declare or we proclaim to you. Let me tell you something. All those religious experiences, sitting in church here tonight, if it doesn't translate into you stepping out and getting your hands dirty, you declaring what you believe and walking on it, and you becoming what God wants you to become, it's religious babble. It means nothing. It's entertainment at best. The Bible says those that hear the Word of God only and do not do it are deceived. God doesn't want you just to sit here and get another sermon. Oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. (laughs) 
You're not here to be blessed. You're here to grow up. You're here to speak out and step out. I'll tell you what. Don't lean on mankind to prepare you. It says, and Saul armed David with his armor. He put on a helmet of brass on his head. He armed him in a coat of mail. David girded up the sword of Saul at, at, at his armor. He essayed to go, and he says, I can't do this. I can't use your equipment, Saul. I can't take what you gave me. I can't let you equip me. He says, I got, I got to go with what God made me to be. I'll tell you, people can give you good advice, and there's nothing wrong with advice. You can have men help mentor you, but there comes a time when you have to take what you've got, and you've got to do something. God always takes what's in your hand. He said, Moses, what's in your hand? He says, a rod. He says, take your rod. Let's go. David knew this. I'd love to tell you that every pastor... It's going to help you. And they, we, we, we teach the Word, but it's the Word of God that has to be, you have to be fully persuaded in your own heart. Don't obey it because I tell you to. Obey it because you're persuaded. So many of you want a word from a man. I would say get a word from God. So many of you want me to give you something. Oh, pastor, do you have a word for me? Yes, read the Bible. Pastor, can you give me a word? Yes. Get a word from God. You need to allow the Lord to use you with what he's given you. Saul wanted to give him his armor, but look what David said. And he took his staff in his hand, and he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, put them in his shepherd's bag, which he had even a scrip, and a sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Oh, folks, use what God has given in your hand. Some of you are so talented. So, some of you have such skills, and you're afraid to use them. Use them for the kingdom. Let God anoint you. Let God use what he's put in your hand. Some of you are already amazing. I'm so proud of some of you. We have people that are in some of the highest positions in the land, and it's hard. It's difficult. They, every day, are bombarded with unbelief, un bombarded with secular humanism, bombarded with people that have agendas that do not love the nation but love their agendas, bombarded with people that are trying their very, very best to uproot the value systems of our nation. These people that have U.S. and, and Canadian and, and uh, British and... and uh, Swedish funding to promote abortion. African people don't abort their babies, for God's sake. Oh, it's a woman's right. No, it's a baby's right. For goodness sake, those babies, those babies are entities of their own. We don't have this secular Western point of view in Africa. We've always cared for our babies. But let me tell you, some of you are in positions and you're speaking out. Have you seen these things are being reversed? Our values are coming forward. And people are beginning to speak out. People are waking up and they're saying, no, no, we're not going to do this anymore. No, no, no. 
We're going to hold to our Christian values. Since when did we want to be a secular human, humanist nation? Since when did we embrace humanism? We're Christians. We're a Christian nation. Let's stand up and be a Christian nation. I'll tell you what. Not only do you prepare in times of peace, but sometimes you have to prepare in times of war. While you're in the war, you have to prepare. David can sometimes, or God can sometimes use the most simplest things to accomplish mighty works. David, even while he's running into the battle against the Philistine, reaches into a river, picks up five smooth stones. Now you know why he picked up five smooth stones. Because in 2 Samuel it says this, and it came to pass after this that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. And Sibachai and Hushathite, the Hushathite slew Saph, which was one of the sons of the giants. And there was again a battle at Gob with the Philistines where Elhanan, the son of whatever his name was, the Bethlehemite. <laughs> that is a bad name. That's a tough name. He slew the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. And there was yet another battle at Gath, where there was a man of great stature that had on every hand six fingers, on every foot six toes, four and, tw four and twenty in number. And he was also born to be a giant. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shemiah, the brother of David, slew him. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and the hand of his servants. See, David knew that if he killed Goliath, he had four brothers. I need five stones. He was preparing. He was preparing even in battle. Sometimes you have to even prepare in your battle. You need to get prepared. When you step out, you have to do it in the power of the Spirit. Let me tell you something. Notice what Goliath says. Goliath comes and he says to the Philistine, and he says, and the Philistines said to David, Am I a dog that you comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the fowl of the air and to the beasts of the field. Man, it's amazing how arrogant wicked people can be. Notice what David says. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day will the Lord deliver you into my hand, and I will smite thee and take your head from thee, and I will give your carcass to the host and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day to the fowl of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves, not with the sword, not with the spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. See, I'll tell you what David knew, that God would allow himself to receive glory through his hands. He wasn't concerned about the Philistines. He was concerned about God. What did God want? 
my last point. Now think about this, because this is for you tonight. Out of all those men who were on that hill that day, what was it that David had that all the others were lacking? What did David have? I'll tell you what it was. David was anointed. Do you remember? In 1 Samuel 16, 13, it says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Boy, I'll tell you what. Each and every one of you has been anointed. You're anointed by God himself. There's a predestined purpose for your life. There's a place for your life. God wants you to have it. I want you to understand something. When you begin to speak out and you begin to step out, others are affected by what you do. When you're anointed, it says that the Philistines, when he killed Goliath, all the Philistines began to, Philistines began to run. But guess what? The army of Israel took courage, and they pursued, and they defeated the enemy that day. When you allow God to prepare you, when you step out in the anointing, you can change your home. You can change your marriage. You can change your family. You can change your church. You can change your city. You can change your business. You can change a community. We can change a nation for the cause of Christ. David spoke out against the enemy of God. And then he stepped out and defeated him. Tonight, I believe that wherever you're at on your journey, here's what God wants to do. Wherever you're at. Some of you have never given your life to Jesus. Some of you have probably been in church. God, every kind of church imaginable, but don't know Jesus. You just know about him. But you've never been anointed. See, when you accept Jesus, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit anoints you. He comes to live in you. Tonight, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I want you to come right now. Give your life to Jesus. I want you just to get out of your seat and say, tonight's my night. Tonight's my night to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to get out of my seat. I'm going to get that anointing. Wherever you're at, just get out of your seat and come. I want everybody to stand. Everybody stand. If you've, if you've never given your life to Jesus, come and get the anointing. It's here tonight. There's an anointing. Tell your neighbor. Just tell your neighbor, I'm going to get this anointing. And step out on it. Speak it and step out on it. I'm going to go get the anointing tonight. I'm going to get saved. I'm going to give my life to Christ. Just get out of your seat and come. Just come. Just come. There's others of you. You know what? You're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't have the anointing that comes upon you. Come. Come right now. Just come. There's an anointing. There's an anointing. There's an anointing. You need that anointing. You need the anointing. Just come. Wherever you're at, just come. Here they come. Here they come. There's an anointing. There's an anointing. If you're in the balcony, don't just stand up there. Say to your neighbor, say, I'm going to go get this anointing tonight. I'm going to get filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit.
I want to be born again. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come. Come. Now, I'll tell you, if I was a prophet tonight, and I played on your emotions, and I told you, double anointing, and I've got holy oil, and I'll pour it all. See, I could can, I can, I can whip you up into a frenzy, and you'd all run. Not, maybe not this church. But here's what, it scares me. It scares me. Because you think the anointing's in the man. Oh, pastor, just lay your hand. I'm anointed, but I want you to connect with something much more powerful. Zimbabwe needs men and women that can get an anointing from God. An anointing from God. An anointing from God. If tonight you're standing there and you feel the Holy Spirit touching your heart tonight, and you say, I want an anointing from God. I'm born again, and I'm spirit-filled. But I want an anointing from God. Come, get out of your seat and come. I think God's going to meet some of you right here at the altar. I want an anointing from God. Quite frankly, I can't understand why you're standing there. I want an anointing. I want an anointing. I think there's some young people that can identify with David. David was the anointed psalmist. The reason that Samuel came for David was because David spent his time worshiping God. God said, there's a, there's a young boy. I see there's a young boy. He's a worshiper. I see him. I see him. Samuel went and looked at all the seven other brothers. He said, it's none of these. Is there another one? Oh, yeah, 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 there is. There's the young kid in the field with the sheep. Go get him. We're not going to sit down until that young boy gets here. That's what they said. The, the prophet said, we're not sitting down until that young boy gets here. I feel like, even as I said that, I felt like there's a word. Don't sit down until the young boy gets here. There's, there's a young man, maybe a young woman tonight. There's an anointing. We don't need another man-made revival. I've seen too many of those. We whip things up. I want God to show up. I want a God revival. There's some older people here. You say, oh, I think I'm just too old. It's just too, it's too late for me. Hmm. Every one of my mentors started their ministry in their 60s. I'm believing that that's going to happen for me. I believe my ministry is just starting at 65. Amen? If you're here tonight and you say, man, you know what? I just I want to get in on what God's going to do right now. I just want to get in on it. Just come. Well, wait one more minute. I will not sit down. All right, all of you that are up here, put your hand on your heart. It's not too late. We're not too old. You're not too young. You've just begun. I saw you're the first one out. You're an anointing. It's not too late. 
filled with the Holy Ghost tonight, filled with the Holy Ghost tonight, speaking in other tongues. Just begin to speak in other tongues right there. This isn't the work of man. Don't look at me. Look to God. Now, Holy Spirit, we confess today, Lord, that we have been entertained by preachers. We've been, we sought after men. Father, we sought after anointings. We sought after all kinds of things. But tonight, we want what only you can give. Only you can give. An anointing from heaven. Father, Zimbabwe needs a revival of the Spirit. We need men and women that can hear the voice of God, speak what God says, and step out on what they spoke. Step out and enter into destiny. Now, Father, I pray. I'm praying right now for every person that desires this anointing. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that we are flesh. But within us abides the Holy One of Israel. Within us is the anointing. The anointing is within you. The Holy Spirit is within you. Father, I'm asking, Lord, that you would anoint us to do the Word of God. That, Father, you would put a fire on the inside of each and every one of these people that have come forward. That, Father, they would not be able to rest or sleep. That, Father, the anointing, the anointing would begin to move inside of each and every one of them, Father. That, Father, it would be a supernatural connection with Almighty God. Father, that there would be your touch, your move, your grace, your power, your anointing. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. The anointing. The anointing that will cause you to speak out and not remain silent. Step out. Speak out. Step out. Speak out. Step out. The anointing. It's an anointing. It's not of man. It's not of gimmicks. It's not of stuff. It's of God. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Yeah. Holy Spirit. Ikunde satom rede se te banda gaze de namanda. E do de brad don demanda zege debe debe. Receive, just receive. Come on, take it. Uribed de de zege. Out of your belly shall flow a river of living water. Out of your belly shall flow a river. Italarabok de de zege de debe gate de begara site. Imbele de bon mana gaze de de kia. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. These next four days of action are a season for you to get prepared. 
I think that God wants to prepare his people for something. We have the finest speakers that we could bring. But they're not just here to speak. I don't really, I'm not impressed with their speaking skills. I, didn't, I don't want them to wow you. I want them to impart something to you. And what they'll impart, if you'll receive it, will begin to prepare you to be what you are supposed to be. They're going to prepare you that one day you'll celebrate your leg- legacy and you will unlock your destiny. And you'll do it because you're going to speak out and step out. I just have this very, very real sense that there's an atmosphere that God wants to create in this conference where anything can happen and probably will. Let's not miss what God wants to do. Amen? Lift your hands, everybody. Father, we bless this congregation. May God bless you. May he keep you. May he guard you, guide you, and direct you tonight. We've been a little bit late tonight, I know. But I wanted to deposit what I felt like I needed to say. It's action week. Let the Spirit of God continue to minister to you this, this tonight. Take the anointing with you. Wherever you're at, take it with you. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.